Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. How are you keeping fear out of your orbit? What do you want your legacy to be? Who must you connect with over a shared interest or project idea? How will you help bring the world back to love? Nothing but massive questions with today's guest, Julia Verdon, a director, writer, producer, and self-proclaimed multi-hyphenate. In this conversation, she shares her passion for making social impact films and the complex issues such as teen trafficking and opioid addiction she's tackling with her work. From her endless curiosity for life and an insatiable desire to learn, to how she keeps fear out and creative possibilities open. Julia is a wealth of creative wisdom and generously shares throughout the conversation. No matter what you create, I hope this episode inspires you to use your voice for good. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 738. I think I'm just endlessly curious about life. I think it's funny. I think the older you get, the more you're actually interested in learning. Like Mm. I have way more interest in learning about life, learning about history, um, doing research, uh, learning about people, what makes them tick, why the world is the way that it is and, and all the rest of it than I ever did when I was younger. And I think I think curiosity, certainly in my case, has blossomed as I've gotten older. I love that because it you're absolutely right. It does seem like when we're young, we know everything. So we don't want to learn anything. <laughs> and as we get older, we know we learn what we don't know. So we want to learn more. Yeah, I think I think when you're young, you tend to have that what what I would what I would describe as youthful ar- arrogance that you kind of think you need it all you know it all and you don't need to learn anything new, and then as I've gotten older, for me certainly, I've I've become a lot more humble, and I really enjoy learning. You know, I, I very much now take the view of like I know nothing. I'm constantly learning every day, and I never know you know who I'm going to learn from. You know, sometimes it could be a student that I'm mentoring and ironically, I learn something from them. (laughs) And I I really think that that sharing knowledge is a is a gift. You know, and it's 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 not about your age or your level of your career or whatever, is is I think everybody has something to share. And I think it's very important to always be open to that. Mm -hmm. What is something that you've recently learned? What have I recently learned? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I'm I'm constantly learning so much <laughs> every day that, that that I'm always learning new things. I'm I'm doing research on a film about the opioid crisis, so I'm I'm learning all wow. these new things about about that that I didn't know before in dealing with um, some of the the young people I mentor. I'm always learning new things for them, like new technology, new ways of of doing things, all these new apps that we have now. <laughs> I, I went recently, I, I was just, I had my film Maya um, mm-hmm. that, that we have coming out in January here in the US, was just at the Raindance Film Festival in London. And whilst I was at that festival, I attended a couple of panels on on AI and and how's AI going to affect the the film business and those panels were fascinating and it, it it's it's an it's it's a new thing because as a as a filmmaker I certainly like to keep up on all technology that affects film mm-hmm. I think that's very productive and very useful you know, and, and, yes. and it, it's the whole AI stuff. It could be a miracle for us filmmakers, or it could also make us a little obsolete. But, <laughs> I'm, I'm a positive person, so I always look at at choosing to decide, you know what, let's look on this as a, a tool that will be able to enhance what we're doing 
And I, I'm personally, a lot of people seem very threatened by AI and, and the advent of AI in our industries. Mm -hmm. But I think you, you just have to remember that we are individuals. And I don't believe personally that anything is going to be able to replace the individualism. And one of the things that, that I took away from the AI panels is that you're not going to have AI be able to write a script for you, right? But, but AI could be, you, you want to keep writing your scripts yourselves and kind of oh, keep yeah. them original and make them yours. But AI can be a great tool to help you quickly put together a synopsis and marketing because you could just feed your script into it and, and have it do it. Now, one could say, well, <laughs> if I did that, you know, maybe everyone would steal my ideas, right? Oh yeah, that's but, a big but, fear. Uh, but I, but I, I, I think one one has to have faith in the universe, and also have faith that at the end of the day, it's really your perspective on an idea or a concept. Because that, mm -hmm. let's face it, you know, films are either about revenge. Or their love stories, <laughs> or their you know you know two business competitors going at each other, or <laughs> their social impact. You know, like there's there's a zillion there's many different movies that have been made on um, teen trafficking and domestic abuse, which are two of the themes of my film, right? Yeah. But does that make my film like them? No. You know, each film stands alone as its individual. Thing and so, so I think I think we have to remember that we are individuals, and and a, a compute you know computer technology or AI technology is not going to be able to put that individual flair mm -hmm. into content, which is what to me makes a film or or a book or whatever it is a piece of art really stand out. It is it is that individual's take on that topic or subject. I love that. I was thinking just this morning about the name AI, you know, artificial intelligence, and I feel like it should be renamed to like automagical or or something that just <laughs> inspires this sense of like it's doing really cool things and it just blows your mind if you're willing to let it blow your mind. Ab absolutely, and I I think for 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 us as creatives Fear is the biggest blocker, right? Mm -hmm. Fear is what gets you in writer block, stagnant, not mm -hmm. able to move forward. Your projects are all stuck. It's mm -hmm. always because of fear. So as a creative, and if you really want to kind of like flourish with your work, I, I believe that one of your biggest challenges is how do you keep fear out of your yes. orbit, right? Yes. So that, you know, for me, is is a big one. Is how do I keep fear out of my orbit? Yeah. So I think to to really function well as a creative, and I know that that's a lot of what your your show is about. Mm -hmm. Is it's really one of the things that I do every morning? Is I sit down, I meditate. I connect with the universe. I do, you know, for me personally, I'm a big fan of kundalini yoga. So I do a little kundalini yoga to kind of get me in my flow. If I have woken up on one of those days when I'm thinking like, oh my God, how am I going to get it all done? Right. <laughs> right. Or I feel any negativity hovering around. Mm -hmm. This may sound crazy to you, Chris but I will put on some really good high energy music and I literally shake it all out. So I, I kind of, I love it. I do, I do, I do what I call my, my shakeout session. And, and because I, I want to be able to operate at my maximum potential on a daily basis. So I, I want to clear all those blocks, as it were, at the start of the day, so I can have a, a productive work day and you know get done whatever creative project it is that I I need to get done. And I love being creative. I mean, I I feel really lucky and blessed 
but I really love what I do. Mm-hmm. And so for me, and I think I think that's an important thing. It's 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 very good to do the best that you can to structure your life in a way that you you find work that you love. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really feel like work. So <laughs> yes. to me, my work is my pleasure, it's my joy. I I really truly wake up every day excited to be doing what I'm doing. And I feel oh, very, wonderful. very fortunate for that. I I'm intrigued by something you said too, because when when you dive into subjects like teen trafficking and the opioid crisis and these really heavy subjects that can drag us down if we're not careful apart from shaking it out how do you keep yourself clear of those negative emotions that will arise when you're researching such tragic stories well that that that's why for me finding time to do that daily meditation mm-hmm. and my little yoga session every morning yeah is is key because because I I I get myself into a space of kind of gratitude, appreciation, mm-hmm. and and keep that like light going around me because I don't want to get sucked yeah. into the darkness. You know, I I I I make I you know I've made some films on some dark subject matter because I feel it's important to bring those things out into the light mm-hmm. and on. For example, on the on Maya, I used to volunteer at a at a shelter for runaway youth, and I met a lot of these 14, 15 year old girls who'd been trafficked, mm-hmm. and the stories of what these beautiful little you know young girls had been through, and and some sort of boys for that matter, mm-hmm. was just truly devastating to me and i i really decided to to do what i can while i'm still on this planet is to shed a light on this so other teenagers don't you know have to go through that pain mm. in maya maya's a film that i did a lot of research on i had a survivor consultant and i also spoke to many survivors as well as the consultant i had I had um, detectives working in trafficking that were consulting for me. People, I ran the script by people running various organizations that are that are fighting trafficking and domestic abuse. And I really got a lot of feedback because I wanted to make sure that I was telling a story that was authentic. And I, you know, this this film's very different from my previous film uh, that I made, Angie Lost Girls. Which is available on on Amazon and and all the normal platforms. That story was more about how a young girl's trafficked from a middle class family, and then when she's rescued, the difficulty her family has yeah. reintegrating with her, and the difficulty she has reintegrating with her family, and how finding faith was a big part in her recovery journey. After I'd made that film, a lot of the the people that I'd gotten to know from organizations said to me, Julia, we need to do something to highlight the struggles of a single mother mm. um, that, that, and domestic abuse going on in the family because domestic abuse is a huge issue that since the pandemic has mm-hmm. grown exponentially. And a lot of the teens, there's a big correlation between teens that are trafficked, uh, having domestic abuse going on in their living space. And so the the film Maya is a film that's really about the cycle of abuse and how do we break it. At, at its core, it's a mother-daughter story. You know, we see them at the start of the film, the mother's stuck in an abusive relationship because she's been deserted by her husband, low self-esteem, and et cetera. And that's caused her to get into a relationship with someone, uh, shall we say, a less than type of of man who Mm -hmm. is abusing her. But Mm -hmm. she feels so bad about herself, she can't see that clearly. 
she loves her daughter and she is just blinkered to how what is going on with her is affecting her daughter. She's working two jobs. She's doing her best to send her daughter to a good school, doing all of those things, but she's not giving her daughter what her daughter needs most, the mm-hmm. gift of being present and physically yeah. there for her. I, I also think that as parents or you know, people, foster parents or, or and teachers, people working with, with teenagers need to be really aware how easy it is for social media predators to enter our homes today yeah. and engage with our youth. It is a huge problem and one that, again, has grown exponentially during the pandemic. Unfortunately, trafficking is a billion-dollar business. And when something's a billion-dollar business, Mm -hmm. one has to be really on one's game to protect (laughs) your loved ones and to protect our our youth. Mm -hmm. And so I think for... For parents, it's really important, and you know, people who who are involved with working with teens, um, for, you know, of, of of any gender, it's really important to be aware of building that trust with them, because if you have that trust, then if they're approached online by a social media predator who's a trafficker or, you know, for some other like inappropriate reason. Mm-hmm. Then if they if there's a trust and you've had a discussion with them about this, right? Then mm-hmm. they're more likely to let you know when it's happening, yeah. And you're more likely to be able to stop it, because one thing I have certainly learned is education leads to prevention. Yes. Right. Yes. Rescuing and rehabilitating a teenager who's been trafficked requires a huge amount of government funding, resources, support. They need therapy, trauma care. They have to catch up on schooling, medical help. You know, like the the list is endless. So the more we can do to work on the prevention stage, which is just educating people as to what it looks like today, how to spot the signs of a teenager being groomed by a trafficker, um, then, then to me that is golden. And that is my goal, you know, with these the films that I make is to, you know, hopefully be able to, 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 to help with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when you make a social impact film, you have to be very careful. Yes. You never want to hit the audience over the head with right. that, right? Yes. You, you want to find a way to tell an engaging, compelling story that is really going to have an audience on their edges of the seat. They're like, what's going to happen next? Well, you know, how's this all going to pan out? So, so they, are, they, are, they are emotionally engaged. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of studying on social impact filmmaking and with my films, I really try to do the best that I can to make sure that I'm delivering engaging entertainment to an audience that yeah. is not preachy, is not lecturing them, but let that lets them make their own conclusions. But yeah. through them engaging with the story helps them gain an understanding of what this whole thing looks like. Yes. Wow. Well, and I, and I love what you just said too about social impact films and not hitting people over the head with it. Because with film, we want to engage with a story. We want to grow in our empathy, usually. <laughs> you know, not, not always do we want to escape from reality, but we do want to learn when we watch films. So how have you learned to tell these stories in a way that doesn't you know, preach and hit people over the head? I, I think it's by, been by studying what other filmmakers have done before that's worked and, and what other mm-hmm. filmmakers have done before that, that, <laughs> that, that hasn't worked, as it were. And then, you know, we also do, you know, we, we do our best to, to 
test our films on audiences so we get feedback you know before we have our final cut mm-hmm. um you know so far i've made the the, the 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 film on the last film on angie lost girls did very well we had a great audience response i had so many letters from um you know parents going julia thank you for making this <laughs> film the this what i watched it with my teenage daughter or, or teenage son and it was actually a really bonding mm. experience for us and um it really it, they now understand why i want them to check in with me why i you know like to have check in calls and want to know what they're going and our relationship has been a lot better ever since so, so I hadn't thought of that when I made the film, but but actually, I'm I, it was really gratifying to to hear that because I think that understanding leads, you know, again leads to trust, mm-hmm. and I think just and, and listen, you know, this is just my humble opinion because, as I said before, I don't know everything, <laughs> but I think when there's good trust with the youth and their parents or their um, mentors or or whoever's giving them guidance and whoever they're close to, that can really help, you know, because everybody needs someone to talk to about things. And I think we all do know in our guts mm-hmm. when something doesn't feel right. And it, it's almost like you, you have to listen to that signal going, careful, careful, <laughs> careful. And and listen to that, and so I th- I think if a, you know for 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 a teenager, for example, if if they're getting into a situation where there's similar things happening, and then they emotionally flash back to the, to the film, right? Yes. It might cause them to question. Mm. You know, I'm I'm getting this 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 person I met online who wants to come meet me somewhere. Well, I remember how that worked out in Maya. Should <laughs> right. I maybe take a friend along with me? Have someone kind of watching who's picking me up and getting the number plate, just so, just if anything does happen, it seems okay, but just as a protection mm-hmm. that I take this these additional precautions. You know, that could be a lifesaver, or could be Absolutely. the way that someone's easily able to identify where that person is and and pull them out of a situation that might not be what it seemed. In Maya, it's through the mother finding a way out of being able to eventually stand up to her abuser, mm. that, that she is able to be a real mother to her daughter, but she has to heal her wounds first, as it were, to be able to help her daughter to heal. Have you always wanted to make social impact films, or is this newer in your career? I think I think it's been in the last um, few years. I, I think it's again it's getting older and just thinking about you know as you get older you tend to think of like you know, right how do I want to spend my last ten twenty you know whatever it is active years in the industry. I hope I will have many more. <laughs> but but you know what do I want to do? What is yeah. it that I want to? I feel like I've been very blessed. I've had a wonderful life. I'm super grateful. It hasn't always been easy. You know, I think you always have some hurdles that you have to deal with. I've dealt with loss. You know, it's it's there. There's always stuff. I just got to point. I think, like, you no, know, what do I want my 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 legacy to be? What is it that I want to to leave? And before I leave this planet, for me, I want to put something back. You know, in the way that in the way that I can. And um, you know, for me, my skill and what I've learned and the and the, the the knowledge that I have, it's it's making films. Yeah. And I've always been very passionate about social issues and certainly volunteering at that children's shelter and meeting those kids. Those stories really touch me at a very visceral level. Yes. So, and I, I don't have kids myself. So I've I've always been drawn to helping vulnerable children you know over the years I've, I've done volunteer work in orphanages all over the world when I've been on various films in different locations and and so I've always felt my calling has been to help kids that that don't have parents don't have families that that need that mentoring and support I, I mentor a couple of, of foster youths 
and they're, they're wonderful, bright and talented individuals. And it's a joy to see them kind of grow and, and, and flourish. And, and for me on, on social impact, it's, it's like what calls you, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's what is it that, that moves me to feel that I want to do something about it. And I, I can't cover everything because <laughs> I'm one right. person, but I, I, I've done domestic abuse. Um, teen trafficking. I've just done a film about the homeless, a, a homeless story, and I also co-directed a documentary um, looking at homelessness in America. That's called Americans with No Address, wow. and the feature film that I I wrote and directed is called No Address. Do I know everything about the homeless situation? Do I know all the answers? No, I don't. But it, what I wanted to do was just share with an audience the um, stories of, of five individuals who are experiencing homelessness, hmm. um, a little bit about why those five individuals ended up on the streets, how they bond together and some of the challenges that they face and form their own little family. When I make a social impact film, I, always, I, I never want to depress audiences. So I always try and give them inspiring and happy endings. Though I will say in many of these situations, so often they are not always happy endings. But I think in terms of making a film, I always want to, as a filmmaker, leave people with hope and also leave them with some form of inspiration. Because I think when you do that, the social impact film is more palatable to an audience. It is more digestible and more engaging. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, nobody wants to go and see a film and just leave feeling thoroughly depressed because it's too much, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, let's be honest, you don't. Yeah. Like, I no. don't want to go and see a film that, <laughs> that is going to cause you know, me to feel really depressed and helpless. Right. I want to feel a film. I, if I want to go and see a social impact film, I want to see a, something that is going to engage me, mm-hmm. move me, give me a better understanding of that issue, and inspire me and make me want something to to do something about it and take some type of action, whether it's to volunteer with an organization or to share what I've seen with someone else or to donate to an organization to, you know, like, you know maybe someone might be moved to, to, to foster somebody or mm-hmm. you, you never know, you know, but, but you want to give people some type of inspiration. And, and, and for me, you know, just to, as an individual, it's important. I, I want to always try to make people's lives and experiences better, right? Yeah, I, I don't that. want to, 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 to make anyone's experience worse. So, so how do I do that in the film? So, for example, in, in Maya, there is no, even though it's a film about trafficking, there is no nudity. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that's over gratuitous. It is a film that you know, I would say 14 and up can watch with their parents. You know, okay. if anyone has been through any type of extreme t- trauma, you know, that may just be, it could potentially be triggering. So I would definitely, you know, give that proviso. But I want to make films that communities and families can watch together. And certainly no address the feature film on their homeless with a with a story about five different individuals experiencing homelessness. You know, that mm-hmm. that is a film that the whole family will be able to watch together. Meyer is certainly a scene that uh, you know that 14 up will be able to watch. So when you get an idea, Julia, and and you start feeling that drive to turn it into something, how do how do you know when it's time to commit? all the resources, all of the energy it takes to tell a story? I think it's a gut thing. You know, when, like, like when people keep coming into my path, 
or I feel like really draw, you know, I can't, I wake up every morning thinking about it, then I know I've got to do something about it. But I'll also like test the idea I haven't sit in with a couple of saying, I know that I I trust Mm -hmm. because opinions I value and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing a movie about this. What do you think? And I, I certainly like to find the, the, the right resources and the right experts to, to engage as consultants to, to come and, and help support the journey. The reason why I ask that, too, is because filmmaking is not cheap. And filmmaking, <laughs> paying for production has gotten so challenging even more so in the digital age because of all of the different models and you know ways to fund films. So how do you fund these social impact films? A, a variety of different ways. I mean, it's, it's listen, I, I always believe when you do something out of love, you will be guided as to, to, to how to do it. And I, what I do, I, I keep it very simple. I just put out to everybody what I'm looking to do, mm. um, the, the, the funding that I need to raise, and mm. hope that I'm going to be able to raise it. You know, you can't you can't just sit back. But it could be um, on it, it, Maya, for example. It was funded by the, the generosity of a lot of people that believed in the issue that I'd had like a long term relationship with that have supported mm. previous work that I've done. Mm-hmm. Previous films that I've made. We also got a, a grant from the um, California Arts Council, which I'm very grateful for. And I, I feel very grateful that I, that I have had people that that will support mm. the, the films. I love that. It speaks to just the power of relationships uh, yeah. in um, any creative endeavor. Exactly, and sometimes funding. You know, on some projects, funding comes easier than on others but (laughs) again i i think if you're meant to make a project and you start putting it out there you know if you're meant to make it people Mm -hmm. will get on the train with you right if you're not meant to make it then (laughs) then you're going to kind of like struggle when you're struggling maybe there's a reason for that Mm -hmm. i'm thinking a lot about funding lately because I think as young young creatives come up, I think that the journey to making any creative work is such a struggle because it seems unclear of how to like really get the money in to do things. So I do like what you're suggesting in terms of relationships and putting it out to the people that you know about what you're doing. I, I feel that that's a more tangible way than trying to game YouTube and <laughs> all these streaming platforms. Well, it, it's, very, it's very difficult because the yeah. reality is a lot of streaming platforms um, tend to like acquire films when they're made rather than necessarily fund them up front. Yes. And there may be certain topics that they want to fund movies on. They may have like a list of 10, 20 directors that they currently want to work with, or there are always these various other issues. And then when you, you're, you're also making their movie too, right? If somebody, mm-hmm. if, when you're making a movie for someone else, you just have to be prepared that you're going to make their movie rather than yours. When you're able to fund something independently, then you're, you're, you're able to make your movie. And there's no right or wrong about it, but what what way is better for that particular project? Mm-hmm. And there are so many different ways that you can fund movies. You know, I also do a lot in the educational speech too. I, I wrote a book called Success in Film, which is a guide to like how you make a, an independent film and, and also different ways of funding independent films. And, you know, every now and again, I, I get asked to, like, teach a class mm-hmm. on these topics. And I've got a lot of the classes that I've taught on a, on a website called thefilmclasses.com. <laughs> and it's challenging. But on recently, when I, I did a class on, on film funding for thefilmclasses.com, one of the things that I said was, 
you've got to find ways. If you're trying to make your first film or your first kind of creative artifact, whatever it is, then then how can you how can you do it with the resources available to you, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, if you're a first time director trying to make a ten million budget film <laughs> with a huge name cast, you may get lucky, right? As I said, I don't pretend I know everything. <laughs> right. But generally, that can be a lot more challenging, and you may find you you know you're you're bashing your head against the door and it's not opening because two reasons: investors are often uh, you know they look at someone's track record and they may be nervous about investing with someone without a proven track record. They will look at the you know the team behind the making of the film. Uh, and also on a 10 million budget film, you've also got to cast talent at a certain level. Um, many of that level of talent have like a list of directors they feel safe working with. Yeah. Because if an actor is getting paid $2 million, for example, currently that's their going rate. And then they make a film that's a flop their rate suddenly goes down to a million or half a million, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe nobody right. wants them at all. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. But, but, you know, so, so, so that's what their agents and managers and their team are analyzing before agreeing to have an actor work with on, on, a, on an indie project. They're looking at, the, for, for the bigger level talent, they're looking at, like, how many screens is the film going to be released on? Is it going to get a theatrical release? What type of marketing support does the company have? If you're an indie film, you've probably just scraped about enough together to make the film. <laughs> right. We haven't like, you know, probably got a couple of million in marketing. Right. So they're looking they're Where did looking they put at, that million in marketing? <laughs> is, exactly. So they're looking at they're looking at all that stuff and thinking, well, well, you know, how am I going to do this? Whereas if you're a first-time filmmaker, if you find a way of like, right, I've got this location that I can use for free because a friend owns it or, or I have access to it or I can get it for a very limited release or my, my, you know, somebody's got a, a farm that I can use for free, whatever it is, write something around that. Find yes. a great story, great characters, not too many characters. and. And now, you know, the good news is with the advent of digital, mm-hmm. it's get so much cheaper to do everything than it used to. Mm-hmm. If you used your resources well and you make a little gem on a small budget you, and you, you're clever about how you market the film, right? You, you know, you, you could have like a little gem on your hands that breaks mm-hmm. out and does really well. You know, if you look at a film like Once, for example, made on a micro budget, and mm-hmm. um, but it was a really unique, original idea, beautifully directed, beautifully acted, and did huge business. And they're now making musicals of it, and, <laughs> and uh, all the ancillary rights. So that filmmaker did extremely well. Yeah, but it was that that was a real example of pure creativity, and a filmmaker finding a way to make a film with resources available to them on a very limited budget. Yeah. And, you know, we all have what we have, but so how can we find a a clever way to find other people with aligned goals who mm-hmm. might come and, and, and you know, embark on the project with us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can yeah. get our, our movie made. Is there an actor who might pr- be prepared to put in some funding as a DP that wants to also make their first movie that's really good, that will kind of come on board the journey with me? And they've already got a camera. And prefer- so you build it out that way. And can we get this location for free? It's just being smart and finding ways to use your resources well. Yeah. Well, and the recurring theme that I'm hearing, Julia, is, again, relationship building. And I'm curious how you learn to build relationships over the years. Seems like it comes naturally to you. I, I love people. 
So I'm very lucky that it does come naturally to me. I'm very much a people person. And, and I've also learned not to have any expectation. But, but I think when people feel that you're very genuine and you genuinely care about what you're going to do and, you, and, and, and they also like that um, topic and it appeals to them, you know, you'll find the, peop- the, the right people, as it were. But definitely networking. And if, if you're in film, you know, which is the area that obviously I know most about, going to film festivals, doing film classes. If you're just starting out, going to film school because you'll meet your future collaborators there. If you're on a budget and film school's not within your reach, online learning, finding you know groups that are doing 48-hour challenges, finding mm-hmm. there's lots of now you know, government-supported resources for learning about film programs that that are you know free that people where people can learn there's so much stuff out there yeah um there's really no excuse now if you want to learn about something you can find a way <laughs> to learn about yeah. something even just practicing on your iphone you know the mm-hmm. storytelling reading up online going to a library reading the books that you need to read and just just finding um, meetup groups and, and places where, you know, others that love film hang out or, or online platforms. Yeah. If you were starting out today, what would be some of the steps you would take to get started? I think education, like looking online, what do you want to learn about and finding the, you know, reading up as much about it as you can reaching out to industry people that you admire and and ask if they'd be willing to mentor you or, or help you or, or or if they give you 10 minutes of their time to to ask a few questions you know people are often actually more willing to help mm. yeah. than you think you know like I what I've done every now and again I've I've done sort of hosted um, filmmaker get-togethers online it's free anyone can attend and I've, I give an hour of my time so anyone who wants can can ask advice, you know, because you, you want to be able to support the next generation of filmmakers. If anyone's interested on that, if, if I'm like at Julia Burden on social media, we, if we're doing something like that, we always put it out there. And, and that can be a, a good way to learn. I think just... Practicing, you know, I think anyone who wants to direct, starting mm-hmm. with short films, invaluable yeah. learning. I would definitely recommend that. Um, the more you do, the more you'll learn. Try to get jobs in film, interning. I think interning with a film production company or interning for a director, producer, a costume designer, or you know, whatever it is that you want to do. Is a is a good thing to do. Absolutely. Yes, those are some of the things. <laughs> I love it. One of the things that made me smile so much is when I was reading your bio right out of the gate. You call yourself a multi hyphenate, and I absolutely adore that because I feel like we live in an age where we want to put people in boxes. And here you go saying, these, I'm a multi-hyphenate. I do all of these things. So thank you for that, because I think we need to be multiple things nowadays. I would agree with you. I think the more skills you can learn today, the better, yeah. right? right that, you know, it's like if I want to find the stories that I want to tell, I've had to learn to, about screenwriting. Right. So I can you know, write the type of script that I want to make, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and and then you know I'm creating something that I want to go on to make because you you might find something else great than someone else or you might not. Yeah, if you write it yourself, you're writing exactly what you want to make, but yeah. you do need to do the research and learn the fundamentals of screenwriting if you want to do it right. Yes. Right, directing again. I did classes. I studied. <laughs> You know, I started, I, I went from the business from being, an, I started as an actress, kind of fell into producing by accident, realized that that was, you know, something that I was really good at. 
And then I decided I wanted to direct. And I, and I think I know where I always wanted to direct, mm-hmm. but I, I was not sure that I could. I remember when I said, oh, I'm interested in directing. Everyone would go to me, oh, no, no, you're really good at producing. Stay in your box over there. Right. right? And, and so it took a while for me to, to and, and, and when, but when I did it, I didn't, even though I'd already at that point uh, as a producer kind of been behind a director's shoulder on about 35 films, I, I wanted to really understand the technique involved mm-hmm. and definitely, you know, the, my acting training and the, you know, years I spent in drama school and studying uh, acting technique and, and just the experience of acting myself has really helped me in working with actors. Mm-hmm. When I went into directing, I, I really wanted to understand the the language of film and and visual storytelling and, you know, how to transition from scene to scene seamlessly and right. and all those other things to understand, you know, the tools that I had available to me in, in, in terms of like lens choice and all that type of, of stuff and framing of shots, which, you know, a lot of that is, is, is you're, you're going to get advice from your DP on too. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's easier to work better with a DP if you really understand what those tools are and the different effects that they can have. Yeah. So I, I really recommend in in educating yourself. You know, there's lots of good masterclasses online. Yeah. There's YouTube things. I mean, there's, I think, I think I remember, you know, one point I remember there was these great like Tony Zhu language of film that when I was yes. studying, I used to watch all of those and they were fantastic. Yeah. Right. Every frame um, of painting, right? Yeah. Exactly. That was a wonderful resource that, that mm-hmm. was very generously um, given by that by that individual, and it was they they were great, and I learned a lot from those. Yeah. So, so I'm saying, if you look around, you you can find those little gems out there that will be really helpful. And and now we have kind of Google. You can type in what do I want to know about, and, right. and 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 see what comes up, and then. You find, you know, people that you like and whose films you like. You keep your eye out if they're doing any master classes. You read up on, like, right, I like this filmmaker. What was the training that they did? You know, who were their influences? All right, let me look at some of those. You can kind of tailor your education nowadays, which is fantastic. You know, when I, when I wanted to go into directing, I went back and I didn't, MA in filmmaking with a focus on directing. Oh, cool. And I was very lucky that I, I had a one of my my tutors used to be Ken Loach's producer. Hmm. So I got a lot of I learned a lot on social impact filmmaking from her. And that was super useful. And and now I'm a I, I'm a big advocate to filmmakers on social impact filmmaking. Um, because it's something that I'm very passionate on, and one of the reasons why I, I, I founded Artists for Change, the nonprofit that I founded, was to to also really try to like encourage mentorship and yeah. and, and and encouraging filmmakers and artists generally. That's why we're called Artists for Change, and <laughs> using your voice for good. Yes. You know, with Artists for Change, we do a, a monthly mixes where we have people from nonprofits, filmmakers come to kind of meet, exchange stories, collaborate. I just gave a, a, a talk on social impact filmmaking you know, when I was over at the Raindance Film Festival, too. And we often do do little like, you know, talks here or we do screenings of, of various films and it, the the goal is to encourage that, and it's been yeah. wonderful. We've had we've had a a lot of filmmakers um, tell me that they're now inspired to to oh, awesome. use their voices in a more thoughtful way. Yeah, as a result of it. So uh, so I'm 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 very happy about that. Well, Julia, this has been such an amazing time. I've I've learned so much, and I'm so grateful for everything that you've shared. If there's a bit of wisdom that you would love to leave with the listeners, 
what would you like to leave with? I, I think as an artist, think about, you know, what, what do you want your legacy to be? What type of art, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a book, a film, um, a piece of art, a song, you know, what, what is it that you want to be remembered by? You know, and also for yourselves as artists to 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 stay in the now, to stay in the light, to stay in positivity and 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 keep out of fear. You know, I think I think that is a key for any artist is that keeping out of fear. Well, is there a book, podcast, or movie that's blowing your mind right now? Well, I think I think really what I do every morning is my meditation and kundalini yoga. So that's what I would sing to. <laughs> and then I hope everybody will check out Maya, the new movie that we've made and, and recommend it to their friends because I think it is, I'm really proud of that movie. I'm really proud that wasn't, you know, the movie was a collaboration for a lot of generosity from wonderful um, people, creatives, down to the actors, our, our heads of department, the crew, all our donors, that we made this little gift that, that if, if, if we can help stop youths, our youth today, being trafficked and falling prey to, the, prey to these predators, that will be huge. Yeah. So, so I think... You know, my goal at the moment is to get that out there, get that visible, get that shared and hope that it's a tool that I've created and hope that others will embrace it, take it on board and and also also hope that they will also use their voices for good. And, and maybe maybe my film will inspire them to write books on the topic music around the topic and to to really do all that we can to stop the exploitation of our youth and stop um stop abuse right yeah. because in 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 this world we we need to get it back to love yes right so that i, I think that's what i i really want people to to take away is how do we how do we get back to love and seeing each and every one of us as human beings? While there were so many excellent questions posed throughout this episode, the one I've been thinking a lot about is around building relationships. Who do you need to reach out to and schedule a time to meet up for coffee, maybe have lunch, and just see what's up, what's new? Share what you're up to. Share projects and ideas that you have. You just, you never know who will be your future collaborators, partners on a project, if you don't put the effort in to reach out. So pick five people in your mind right now, one person even, and just reach out and say, hey, I know I'm going to do that. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.